This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Good morning. My name is Paul. I'm a pastor here at House on the Rock. To our guests, thank you for being with us this morning. Those watching online, thank you for being there. Um, we wish you were here, but we're glad that you're there. That's what Mo says every single time. It's true. I want you guys to use your imagination with me this morning, please. We're going to go back 2,000 years, and you live inside of Jerusalem. You are a devout Jew. You love God. You love walking amongst God's people, but your heart is very much broken. You're gripped by a sense of sadness and foreboding as you walk through the city, as you walk through the marketplace. You're on your way to synagogue. See, what has so frustrated you for quite some time now is that as you look around, you feel like you see a failure in leadership. The city is overwhelmed with Roman soldiers. The nation is very much oppressed, held down by a very heavy hand. You know the emperor is not a follower of God. Sure enough, a Roman centurion goes by on horse and his troops behind. You have to step back and clear out of the way. And you know this does not belong in Jerusalem. As you make your way to synagogue and to church, if you will, you reflect on the nation's leaders, your nation's leaders, how so many political parties seem to be sellouts and followers of Rome. King Herod himself is emperor, the answers to the emperor. The Sadducees, the Aristotic class that leads the political agenda, they're followers of Rome more than they are followers of the Jewish faith. And so you step into synagogue as you step into church and you're very much gripped with the fact that where's the good leaders at? Where's the good leaders at? And it's at a time during the year when the people of Israel ask themselves that very question. What does it mean to be a good leader and to have good leadership? And how important is it as they approach the Feast of Hanukkah, a season of dedication that anchors themselves back into the failures of their nation hundreds and hundreds of years before? In the reading that week in synagogue comes from Ezekiel chapter 34. I'd like to read it for you, please. Knowing where your heart's at, knowing where your head's at, and knowing where the nation's at, this passage seems to hit you a little bit harder this morning as you stand, as you sit in synagogue. A Torah reader begins. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel 34. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you rule over them. As you listen, your heart begins to beat a little bit faster. You feel this so close this morning. 
The Torah reader goes on in synagogue. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and over the high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none to search them. You remember back the history of your people, how nation had led Israel captive, how the Babylonians had swept in, how the Assyrians had swept in, how the Greeks had swept in, and now how Rome had swept in and literally led Israel all over the place, sheep scattered and no shepherd at hand. The reader continues, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there are no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Your heart beats even faster. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand. Put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Oh, how it grabs your attention. Oh, how it captivates your soul. This is what you're feeling. You're like, we're right back there again. History has repeated itself. Where are the good shepherds that will lead God's people? Who's going to do something about Rome? You make your way out of synagogue. And you decide you want to spend some more time in God's presence. So you make your way up to the formal temple mount. The majestic temple of Herod. It's massive. It's huge. You go up the great staircase and you come to the large, large yard where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of worshipers are making their way into the formal temple. Maybe to make sacrifice. Maybe to sing. Maybe to make offering. Straight ahead as you look ahead is this massive basilica, this fortress of the Roman Empire where time after time, legion after legion are there always placing their hand on and over the Jewish people and you feel their presence constantly and you shake your head. Where's the good shepherds at? You look up at the formal temple mound and you can see priests going in and out and you've heard the scandals and you've heard about the struggles and how undevote so many of them happen to be and they're more political than they are religious. They seek more for power than they do the blessings of God's people and you shake your head where are the good shepherds at. And you notice off to the side underneath this long portico where so many rabbis will gather with their classes and where many will teach and open up the scriptures. A voice seems to rise above the crowd. I am the good shepherd, it says. You hear that you make your way over. I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. That's just what you were thinking. That's just what you were wondering. That's just what you've been praying. In the presence of Rome, in presence of the failures of the politics of the time, in the presence of all the power and the greed and the atrocities, who is the good shepherd? And you walk over and you've seen this man before, this Jesus of Nazareth, this carpenter turned rabbi. You've heard about what he's done You know how so many in positions of power in Jerusalem are out to get him because of the declarations that he's saying. 
And in that moment, do you ask yourself? You do. Do I move in a little bit closer? What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? And maybe that resonates with you a little bit, good American that you are. Because you look at the global political climate and maybe you can't help but shake your head. What is going on? Where are the good shepherds at? As reports come back about Ukraine, as reports keep coming back about Hamas, as reports keep coming back about Israel, conversations between the United States and China and conversations between China and Russia, you wonder globally, what path are our leaders leading us down? Or maybe you just want to look nationally. You look at the national landscape and you turn on C-SPAN and you start to ask yourself as you watch the debates about leadership within the House of Representatives, who's in charge? What's going on here? I mean, how many months did it take the sitting party to figure out who's going to be in charge? And the upper house and the Senate, who's leading this? And you wonder, what path are our leaders taking us down? You look at the executive branch and you look at the current president. Can he lead? You look at the former president. One minute, he's in a court hearing about his own criminal out case, and the other moment, he's politicking for president again. You're like, should he lead? You hear the debates. What path is our leaders taking us down? Or maybe that's too big. Maybe we should just look at Ohio. Let's just look at Ohio. Let's look at the, the leadership climate of Ohio and the decisions the voters have made on Tuesday. What path have we chosen for ourselves? Because a path will lead you to a place in the same way a door opens you up to a destiny. And maybe you shake your head and you're like, where's the good shepherds at? Because you need a good shepherd. I want to speak to three people this morning. The rest of you can go home. <laughs> the first person is the one here who has no shepherd. You have no shepherd. In your good American upbringing, you are convinced that you can do it by yourself. But you also know, in all honesty, where that's gotten you. And maybe this morning you've walked in looking for some answers because there's an aching and a hungering in your heart that needs so to be filled because every sheep needs a good shepherd. The second person I'd like to talk to is the one who's wandered from the shepherd today. You know who the good shepherd is, but man, you like to make your fun. But every sheep needs a good shepherd. And maybe today it's time for you to come home. And to the third person, third person, some of you are like really holding out, oh, I hope he doesn't pick me. I want to go home. <laughs> the third person, you know who the good shepherd is. And so today I just want to encourage your faith. Just kind of remind you a little bit the things that you know are true. Because every now and then we just, yep, that's right. Yep, no, you're right. No, that's right. Nope. Yep, you're right. Okay, yeah. Just to remind you, stay close. 
stay close. To help us do that, let's turn to John chapter 10, where Jesus is unpacking that very message that I introduced to you on the Temple Mount. John chapter 10. And the gospel, according to John, is just kind of where I've been hanging out for a while. And I kind of figured maybe you'd hang out with me if you don't mind. Um, Good words there that just keep anchoring my faith, and I pray that they anchor yours too. So many of you decided to stay. That's awesome. All right, go you. Good job. Good job. Did someone sneak out? It happens. John chapter 10. I'm going to read the first six verses. Um... And then, but we're going to drill down on 7 through 11. But let me just bring you into it. Again, Jesus is exactly where I told you that he was. He's, he's speaking on the Temple Mount. There is this political unrest in the city. They're moving towards Hanukkah. People are wondering about their leadership. And Jesus stands up and makes an amazing declaration where there seems to be such a vacuum of leadership. He says this, John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So we are a little bit like them in that we don't understand what Jesus is saying. They struggled with what Jesus was saying, not because they didn't understand shepherding, but because Jesus was making such an emphatic declaration about who he is as a leader compared to everyone else. And so it really hits them and they're struggling. They're like, oh, um, is he saying what I think he's saying? He's calling himself the shepherd. I mean, no wonder so many are leaning in. No wonder so many on the fringes. No wonder he's getting so many dirty looks from the chief priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. No wonder the Romans keep an eye on him. So they're struggling with what he's saying. We struggle this morning for two reasons. Number one, I don't think any of us here have ever shepherded any sheep in Israel. Right? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? No. We have no clue what it means to shepherd sheep in Israel. When we think shepherding and sheeping, we think the rolling, beautiful green hillside of like England, or you know, it's just lush and it's wonderful. It's built by the McGee's United States. Like, yep, yep, that's exactly I'm a sheep and I'm lying down and it's this green grass that's so, I'm just rolling and I'm rolling in my wonderful wool coat. And every now and then the shepherd walks over and he pours some wine, wine, hot cocoa in my mouth. I'm like, oh, it's so good. He waves me with a big old palm branch. It's so good being a comfy sheep. That's not at all what it was like because it was wilderness and it was wolves and it was lions and it was a desert, and it was harsh. We don't understand shepherding and sheep. But there's another problem that we have. Many of us have. We're Americans. We ain't sheep, right? We make bumper stickers out of it. 
and we post it on Facebook pages because we ain't sheep. For the ancient Near East, for the Israelite, they understood very well that humanity, sheep. Israel, God's sheep, the people of his pasture. The prophet Isaiah, all like sheep have wandered astray. There's just something about sheep that seems to capture what it also means to be a human in the eyes of God. And so Jesus, seeing their confusion and maybe seeing some of our frustrations this morning and what he's saying here, drills down a little bit. says, okay, bake it on the bottom shelf. Let's look at this, okay? This is what he says in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, destroy. I came that they would have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, what does that mean? Because there's a very specific image that Jesus wants us to grab a hold of. Okay, so we're going to enter the, the world of Palestinian shepherding. Okay, it's wilderness. It's not safe. You don't just let your sheep wander all over the place all through the night. Okay, they're not rolling in green fields. Why? Because it's wilderness and it's wolves and it's thieves and robbers. So you need to get them together at night. And so they would have, maybe it's a cave, uh, maybe it's a, a giant rock face that they've built up rock walls along the side and, and a front to create a massive pen. But there's always one little space at the very front. It's only so wide that one sheep can get through to get into the cave, to get into the fold, to get into that pen. And that's where the shepherd places himself. He literally becomes the door. All throughout the night, sheep can't get out, dangers can't get in. When they enter the day, they will do it across the threshold that is the good shepherd. When night rolls around, they will step across his threshold again. What does that mean for us? What happens when Jesus Christ is our good shepherd? When he's our door, what do we step into? What's on the other side? These are the things I want to show you this morning and maybe some of the things that you'll, you'll want to write down. When Jesus is our door, one of the, the first things that we step into, he says, is salvation. Salvation. If you're a note taker, maybe it'll just be helpful to write down the word salvation. Because Jesus has this to say in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. He will find pasture. Sheep require a shepherd because sheep need saving. Here's some qualities of sheep. None of them great. Okay? Sorry. Number one, very distracted. Easily distracted. Sheep don't focus well. Okay? They'll be walking this way, and the next thing you know, they're walking that way. They'll be looking at this, next thing you know, they're looking at that. Very distracted. Okay? They don't make good decisions. 
Sheep do not make good decisions. I've shared with you sometimes, uh, like well, I remember when we did the series on Psalm 23, back when we were uh, going through COVID. That was fun. Remember that? Okay. When we were, there are accounts of shepherds talking about like, where's my flock? Where's my flock? Where's my flock? Well, one of them was walking down a path, so the other one started walking down the same path, and they all started following the same sheep, and that sheep went over the cliff, and just because they just started following each other off the cliff, because sheep just don't make good choices. And they're incredibly defenseless. They're very defenseless. They don't come with claws. They don't come with fangs. They don't come with body armor. They're about as defenseless as God's good creation comes. And so it's no wonder that so often a shepherd has to save the sheep because they're so easily distracted. They're so very defenseless, and they just don't make good decisions. So Jesus says to you this morning, do you need saved? Where have you found yourself this morning? What path did you somehow find? And where have you ended up? He says, I am the door. I save them. I get texts at 2 a.m. Um, they're oftentimes not happy texts. No one texts me happy stuff at 2 a.m. None of you have ever said to him, Pastor, we just love you. We want you to know how awesome you are. At 2 a.m., God bless. You know, no, no one does that. No one does that. You could, if you want to, you could wait a little bit. You can wait. doesn't have to be 2. At 2 a.m., what kind of texts do I get? This just happened. Pastor, I'm in trouble. I don't know how I got here. And I don't know if God can get me back. I am such an idiot. I thought I was better than this. See, for me, there's incredible comfort in accepting the reality I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. You know what that means? I get so distracted. I'm like, I'm like, oh, we're going to follow Jesus today. I'm following the squirrel. I'm following Jesus today. Oh, Starbucks. I'm following Jesus today. Oh, C-SPAN. I'm following Jesus. Oh, look at that. Candy Crush. I mean, I, I am so easily distracted. I just don't make good choices. I don't. And the only good choices I've ever made were the ones that Jesus was making through me. Who had to, by his grace, grab a hold of me and say, you don't get any other options right now. There are no other doors. We're going through that one. Okay. And even then, kicking and screaming sometimes. And I am so very defenseless in the presence of a very powerful enemy. But by the grace of God. Do you know what it means to have a good shepherd? Or are you without a shepherd? Do you need to be saved? Jesus says, I've come to save. Because every sheep requires a shepherd. Because sheep need saved. What path have you been down? 
When Jesus is our door, we step into submission. Submission. Write down the word submission. All these are going to start with the word S. I kind of got hung up on Savior and shepherd and sheep. And I was feeling a little Baptist at the time. So we're going to crank out a bunch of S words. And I'm in recovery. (laughs) Verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't listen to them. He's comparing himself to current leadership of previous leadership of false shepherds and bad shepherds. And he he mentions the fact that the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. They submit themselves to what the shepherd says, what the shepherd leads, what the shepherd guides. That's stepping into a relationship with Jesus. I mean, I want to follow Jesus. I just don't have to follow him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want to follow him. I just, do I have to follow him all the time? Is it okay if I just follow him on Sunday mornings? I'll follow him on Sunday mornings. Do I have to follow him on Friday nights? Because, like, we got this thing going, and it's a whole lot of fun, and I'll follow him the next day. Like, we'll, we'll hook back up again, and it'll be fine. We want to follow Jesus. We just don't want to follow Jesus. And so he says, they listen to the voice. And that's so important because of the context of shepherding. This is wilderness. This is where sheep fall off cliffs. This is where there's so many paths and not all of them are good. This is where wolves are hunting and lions are prowling and there are thieves and there are robbers. And so I'm not smart enough, wise enough to discern all those ever so many threats. And I need a good shepherd who will lead me. Guess to the valley of the shadow of death. And so I need to be reminded, and maybe you need to be reminded this morning, following Jesus means submitting to Jesus. There's a submission. Well, I have plans. Great, don't care. Jesus has plans. Give those a shot. Give those a shot. Oh, Salvation, submission, separateness. Separateness, see S's. They're all S's. Isn't this fun? Write down the word separateness. You're like, no, this is not fun anymore. Separateness. Okay, so Hanukkah. Um, How many of you know something about Hanukkah that you did not learn from Adam Sandler? Okay. Okay. So... All right, so for those of you who are a little, little, you know, young on the Hanukkah, okay, uh, 300 years before Jesus uh, stepping onto the scene, Greece comes through and the Greek army makes everything Greek, okay? They Hellenize the whole known world, which include Palestine, include Israel. So everyone's speaking Greek and trading in Greek and all the Greek philosophy and the Greek influence has now saturated what was supposed to be a very separate nation of Israel that has their way of thinking and their way of doing. But all of the Greekness has now worked its way into the political climate, the value system, so much so That now Greek soldiers go through the temple and they're spraying pig's blood all over the place. And Hellenized Jewish leaders and priests are turning people away from a devotion of God. And around 160 BC, a couple of people are like, no, no, no. And they begin this revolt to take the temple back, to take the nation back, to take the faith back. 
And in this miraculous moment, one of the leaders who has kind of taken back the Temple Mount has set up and, and, and lit these large, large, large torches that light the whole Temple Mount. They're massive. And for eight nights, the oil doesn't go out. It's a miraculous display of God's presence. And so to remind themselves of that miracle and the importance of leadership and the importance of dedication before God, they have a feast of dedication called Hanukkah. It comes in December. The reminder that, you know what? We are to be separate. Culture isn't supposed to work its way into us. We're to walk differently, talk differently. That to be a follower of Jesus, to have him as our shepherd, means that we just do things a little bit differently. Former uh, justice uh, on the Supreme Court, Antonin Scalia, uh, in, in a speech in 1992, spoke on these very things. Let me, let me read to you. Very devout Catholic. Justice Scalia wrote, it's enormously important, I think, for Christians to learn early and remember long that lesson of differentness. To recognize that what is perfectly lawful, perfectly permissible for everyone else, even our very close non-Christian friends, is not necessarily lawful or permissible for us. That the ways of Christ and the ways of the world, even the world of mainstream America, are not the same, and we should not expect them to be. That possessing and expressing a worldview and a code of moral behavior that are comfortably in conformance with what prevails in the respectable secular circles in which we live and work is no assurance of goodness and virtue. We say is being a good American does not necessarily mean that you're a good follower of Jesus. That Christ makes some special demands upon us that occasionally require us to be out of step. It is only if one has that sense of differentness, not animosity towards others in any sense, but differentness, that one has a chance of being strong enough to obey the teachings of Christ on many matters, much more significant than Friday abstinences or communion fast rules. These are from his Catholic faith, for example. Or he says, for example, rules of sexual morality. To be a follower of Jesus is to be different. Have you forgotten that? You have, haven't you? We talk different. We spend different. We run a company different. We lead our children different. We love our spouses different. Our views of sex are different. Our views of humanity are different. Our understanding of government is different. And Jesus jumps upon all these discussions that are happening in the culture in Jerusalem. He says, follow me. Follow me. Be holy as I am holy. Maybe good sheep 
that I know you want to be. Maybe this morning it's a reminder to be separate. Salvation, submission, separateness, suffering. When Jesus is our door, we step into suffering. We step into suffering. The good shepherd leads the sheep. He doesn't drive them. Okay? You drive cattle. You go behind and you move them forward. Sheep, it's birthed out of relationship. It's birthed out of intimacy. It's birthed out of a voice that cares and has compassion. The shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and leads them. That means we follow his path. So what path did he walk? A couple of chapters later in John chapter 15, he has this to say. John 15, starting in verse 18. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Well, maybe if we just did a little bit more so they'd like us. Jesus was never ever concerned or consumed with being liked. But to understand that this life is a life of suffering. Is that an honest part of your vision of your faith in your life? That I can expect today in my obedience before Jesus, I will experience suffering. Not because I'm foolish, but because I'm obedient. Because I am obeying the good shepherd and I am close to the shepherd. He who walks me through death, dark valleys to the way of pasture, I'm still going through death, dark valleys. Now, yes, some of us, myself included, we experience suffering not because we're obedient, but because we're stupid. And we make foolish choices. Because we're sheep. But to follow Jesus and to stay close to Jesus, the shepherd had said, take up your cross and follow me. I can expect suffering. I expect suffering. Salvation. Separateness. Suffering. Submission. But one more, satisfaction. Satisfaction. Everyone say satisfaction. satisfaction. Everyone say satisfaction. satisfaction. Say, I can't get no. <laughs> I'm just testing you, that's all. Heathens, what you listen to that for? Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
abundantly, that he promises life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Abundant life. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I want for nothing. He leads me. Green pastures, still waters, restores my soul. Paths of righteousness, the good path. He takes me down the good path. I've been down the wrong path, the bad path. Oh, my good shepherd leads me down a good path. And when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because I'm a lion. I ain't no lion. I'm no lion. I got no claws. I got no roar. Whatever roar comes out of me is Jesus roaring through me. I don't have to fear the dark valley. Why? Because of my shepherd. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Goodness and mercy follow me. Chase after me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My good shepherd, when he is the door, leads me into abundant, beautiful satisfaction. Is there suffering now? Sure. Oh, yeah. But there's green pastures at the end of this path. There's green pastures. The good shepherd lays down his life for me. Becomes a sacrifice. Aiden, my middle son, 16 today. Happy birthday, buddy. You're a good-looking young man. He, uh, he's in religions class, and I love, he asked me these awesome questions. I love the questions. I love getting these questions. And he asked me a very insightful question. He says, uh, why is it that God's always, the gods always require sacrifice? Why does our God always, why does God demand sacrifice? And I just text him back. I says, no, our God made our sacrifice for us. And he goes, my bad, I forgot. <laughs> Actually, he did it in teenage coaches, MB. I've learned what MB means. It's my bad, right? Yeah. I'm so old, I can't keep up. But here is the good shepherd who lays down his life, who sacrifices for the sheep to lead us into pasture. And so this morning, this morning, you know, what do you, what do you need to do with this? Because there's this in and out aspect that Jesus is, you go in and out. For some of you this morning, it begins with salvation. You have no shepherd and you feel it. You feel it. And I would welcome you and Jesus would hear the voice of the good shepherd that invites you in. who faced down the fangs of sin and death, who took on the robbers, the thieves, the wolves, the wilderness, that you could be welcomed into beautiful pasture. If you don't have a good shepherd, oh, I'll be here after the service. I'd love to talk to you. And for you right now, just listen to the, for that voice. Listen to him speaking into your soul, into your heart. Listen to the voice of the good shepherd cutting in and saying, I am the good shepherd. That second person. He talks about going in and out and finding pasture. 
Because to step into the day, you step across the threshold of Christ. So maybe that means you need to remind yourself, remind yourself, oh, yes, yes, I need to submit. Jesus, I'm here. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because you know what it means to wander and you know where that's gotten you. To be reminded of separateness. Wait. You're not supposed to do that on Friday night. This is where that goes. That there is suffering. But there is satisfaction in him. So maybe a point of repentance, maybe early, later in our service, of just coming back to the good shepherd. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But hear the words of the good shepherd who says, I love you so much. Just be close. Be close. To that third person. Maybe just enough this morning to be reminded. Yeah. He's good. He's good. Oh, yeah, I know. Separateness. I know. I know. Yep, yep, yep. Submission. Yep. Just holding on to those things. Morning and night. 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 Not, I'm talking about the night of, you know, it's dark out. But you know, what, you know the night I'm talking about, right? The night. That night. When you hear the wolves starting to circle. And the thieves are inviting you to come out. And the robbers inviting you to step away. Ah, good shepherd says I should stay right where I am. Learn to hear that voice. Learn to recognize the voice of the shepherd. So saturate your mind and your thinking with his voice. The voice that says stay close. The, the boys were at Rock the House last night with Lab. And so it was date night. Woot, woot. And because I'm lame, uh, she's lame. She said, let's stay home. Like, awesome. Big fan, big fan. And so we did an adult Lunchable, which is a charcuterie board uh, with kale chips and cucumbers. No, it had more yummy things than that. And so you want to watch a movie? Yeah, let's watch something. Let's watch something. Oh, that, that new show on Netflix uh, based on Anthony Dover's book, All the Light We Cannot See, Pulitzer Prize winning book. Okay. Haven't read the book. So I'm like, maybe it's like Indiana Jones. It's not. <laughs> but it's a, a four-part miniseries. Powerful. She says, like, are you ready for this? I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like, do you want to watch it? I want to watch it because you want to watch it. A gripping tale, gripping story of 1944 France and German occupation. And the two main characters, one of them uh, a Nazi radio operator who was taken by the Nazis, trained as an operator, and forced to locate enemy radio signals so that the Nazis could wipe them out. And the other main character a young blind woman who gets on the radio every night at 10 o'clock to bring hope to those in the town. Earlier in both of their lives, they had learned to tune into the radio 
at 10 o'clock every night at 1310 shortwave because they heard the voice of this wise, caring man that they called the professor who would speak in the words of the radio operator, words of beauty and truth. And how later in the story, because they had learned to recognize that voice, were led into hope. What a key moment in, in the miniseries. The German commanding officer comes up to the radio operator and says, hey, it's your job to locate these, these radio signals and you don't seem to be doing it. And so I poked around and I, and I found out you actually have been listening to something, haven't you? You're a spy. Not a spy. Why didn't you tell us about this broadcast at 10 o'clock every night? It's just because I'm holding on to hope and a memory. And because it is true and it is beautiful. Oh, hear the good shepherd's voice. It alone is true. It alone is beautiful. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.